In the west of Jordan is a desert plain of rock and stone. Upon this great plain nearly 1,000 years ago, the great Muslim soldier, vizier and king, An-Nasir Salahdin Yusuf ibn Ayyub, emerged from his silk tent to launch a great attack on the castle of Karak. Within a few years, he would defeat all his enemies, recapture Jerusalem, and achieve the expulsion of the Christian crusaders from the Holy Land. But before he could do that, there would be honor and chivalry and violence. He would be responsible for all three in excess and would become one of the most celebrated characters in medieval history. William of Tyre, in a history of deeds done beyond the sea in 1170, wrote this of the man. He was a man wise in counsel, valiant in war, and generous beyond measure. But the Holy Land is still stained with blood from his lifetime. He is, of course, Saladin, or An-Nasir Salahdin Yusuf ibn Ayyub. That's his full name. He was born in 1137, died in 1193. This is an episode of Blind History with Anthony Medera, CEO of Taylor Blinds and Shutters, and me, Gareth Cliff, just two history nerds. Welcome to another episode. So do you like Saladin? I enjoy Saladin. Great warrior, and he was very, very successful. Wise in council, valiant in war. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what William Tarr said, but it was, he was also, he didn't take shit. <laughs> he really no. didn't. No, he was, uh, he was a dangerous guy, and... Um, he met his match in a number of, of crusaders who attempted to overthrow him and take back Jerusalem or take Jerusalem or keep Jerusalem. And one of them was Richard I, uh, the Lionheart, who had this to say about him. He was genuinely struck by Saladin's skill, tolerance, and magnanimity as a ruler and a battlefield commander. So he was born as a Kurd and as a Sunni Muslim in Damascus, in Syria. And what's interesting about him is that he became eventually the first sultan of Egypt and Syria. And this is in the 1100s, which was really an extraordinary time to have been in that position. He ruled at one point over all of Egypt, Mesopotamia, Yemen, and parts of North Africa, as well as obviously Syria, Damascus, and parts of the Holy Land. One thing that he he did say during his time, and that's why he was, I would believe, quite excited to fight the Crusades, was he, he didn't like fighting Muslim against Muslim. No. So when he finally had the chance, when he'd settled everything, he became Sultan of Northern Syria and all the regions you've just mentioned. He turned his attention on Jerusalem and fighting the Crusades. He was one of the most famous Muslim heroes. Correct. I suppose we felt pressure to include people from all different parts of the world and people of all different faiths. And Saladin would have made this on merit alone. But it's interesting that he is still revered in the Muslim world. His tomb in uh, Damascus is still a place of pilgrimage. And we'll get to how he eventually lived out his life in a second. But I I got something wrong. I said he was born in Damascus. He was actually born in Tikrit in Iraq. Um, And he was educated in some of the Greek classics, Euclid. He could quote. He was a very good uh, administrator. He was also good with arithmetic. He had many languages under the belt. He was also fluent in law. And he saw the first crusade when he was a young man taking the Holy Land. And, of course, that kind of made him decide early on that what he wanted to do with his life was free Jerusalem from the Christians. And he became vizier of Egypt 
in between where he went and offered his counsel and his military strategy to the, uh, the, the rulers of Egypt at the time. And there were many uprisings. There were even assassination attempts against him during that time uh, in Egypt. He became the protege of Nur ad-Din. So Saladin and Nur ad-Din. And Nur ad-Din was sort of his teacher in some ways. And he was the ward for this man who taught him And they him were related. Much. That's right. Yeah. His uncle was the sultan and that was his son. They walked a long path together, but you could see that path was going to end up where they would have to fight each other. And it just so happened that Nur ad-Din passed away prior to him having mm. to do that. Because you see they were on the war path at some stage in their life. But just getting back to Tikrit in Iraq, Saddam Hussein was born in Tikrit. And he said once that he saw himself as the Saladin of his age. Yeah, of course, he died more ignominiously than, than Saladin than did. Saladin, and yeah. when Saladin died, by the way, since we've got to the end of his story, but we'll go back. Um, when he died, he actually distributed all of his goods to the people. He was not interested in material goods. He wore mostly black um, in imitation of the Prophet Muhammad. Um, he was a devotee. He believed he also needed to keep himself pure in order to take Jerusalem. It wasn't just a military conquest he was after. He was after a spiritual conquest as well. So he was a very devout man in that respect and quite conscientious about how he behaved. He gave up wine um, when he was in Egypt and was vizier so that he could begin a life of success, purity, dignity, conquest, and all of those things. And that's actually when he started battling against the Crusaders. And the Crusades were actually political failure, ultimately. If we look at what's talked about in Muslim books and history, they talk very little about the Crusades. And they actually left very little after all those years that they went battling there. The Mongols left more. We always hear, I suppose, as Westerners about the Crusades. But they uh, political and a military failure. Yeah, it was. It was a disaster. I think at first Pope Urban was the one who decided to send the the people of Europe into the Holy Land to try and conquer Jerusalem. Um, it was meant to just be pilgrimage before then, and they decided, no, 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 we need to own this. And there were a number of French families who went, and Italians, and even English. But the First Crusade, by some extent a successful one, 88 years of control over Jerusalem. That came to a swift end once Saladin came into the picture. Yeah, so he came into the picture and then that really poked the tiger. There were three kings that came across. That's right. Guy de Lusignan, who was essentially the king of Jerusalem because his wife's brother, uh, Baldwin, had died. He was known as the leper king um, and he was Baldwin IV. He had only about 375 knights who guarded him in Jerusalem. So Saladin could at any time have pressed the button and gone in there and made mincemeat out of him. But he was actually quite a respectful man and he wanted to do things right. It didn't matter to him that he just won. He wanted mm. to win properly. And honorably. And, and there were some dishonorable people in the Christian yeah. side of things. A guy called Renaud de Chatillon, who was a, a vicious, quite out-of-control knight. He didn't seem to submit to the authority of either Guy de Lusignan or anyone else. He had a castle called Kerak, and uh, Saladin attacked and besieged this place twice. Uh, Reynold, I think, abducted Saladin's sister at some point, and luckily for him, I suppose in the end, not so luckily, but he didn't do her any damage, and she was handed back to Saladin. In the interceding time between that handing back of his sister and the end of Reynolds' story, 
Saladin decided that this guy needed to be taken out. He was a problem. And at the end of the siege of Jerusalem, he captured Renaud de Chatillon and he had he and de Lusignan sitting at his tent and he offered Guy iced water. I mean, this is a real treat in the heat of Palestine at that stage. And he gave the drink to Guy and he just cut off Reynolds head with his sword right there and then. And Guy thought he was going to kill him too. And he said, it is not the want of kings to kill kings, but that man had transgressed all bounds and I treat him thus. Yeah, exactly. Pretty hectic guy. That's where you see a different side to him. But you know, Richard the Lionheart, I think his horse was killed in battle mm. and Saladin sent a new horse to him. Yeah. So it just shows you as well, you know, chivalry. That's, that was very interesting. And he had a great reputation with the Westerners. Yeah. I think they also, obviously, there was a bit of propaganda because they built it up as the evil enemy that, uh, right. uh, because they wanted to be seen that they're he doing. He was the boogeyman. Yeah. And they were doing some work of dignity and, and they were crusaders. Well, you know? Look, I mean, it wasn't all dignity because effectively what happened, and Saladin probably did treat the Christians better than they treated the Muslims. Um, when he did take Jerusalem, I think it was in the year 1187, there were about 5,000 Muslim prisoners inside. And there was a guy called Balian of Ibelin who threatened to destroy the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque and execute all 5,000 Muslims who were being held hostage if Saladin didn't come to terms. And he did come to terms. He said, fine. We'll have a little period where everybody can leave, uh, where you can get out and we can take the city peacefully, but you're going to have to pay me a ransom. And there was a ransom amount of a certain, I think it was like equivalent to $50 per person now that had to be paid to him. And they all exited Jerusalem. And that was the end of 88 years of Christian control of that city. That was incredible. And they never took it back. No. They tried, and, and Richard the Lionheart won a few battles, but never the war. That's so right. Richard the Lionheart was impressive in battle. He was a good warrior, but he was really up and down. Saladin was already much, much older. So he was really late 40s, early 50s, whereas Richard the Lionheart had only started to bankrupt England. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. He continued to. I mean, they actually had what they called a Saladin tax in England where he had encouraged his barons to levy taxes on people so that he could keep fighting. And Richard was actually a very poor king. He spent a few months in England during the 11 or 12 years of his reign, and the rest of the time he spent on the battlefields or in prison. Yeah. So not the lion heart that the English would like you to believe when you see that statue of him outside the Palace of Westminster. But the feud passed into legend. People have talked about it for ages and ages. But only in the Western world. I mean, there's not a lot talked about it in the Middle East as such. Well, there's two great men of the 1100s in one podcast, Blind History. Thank you for listening to Season 2 of Blind History. This is one of the many episodes that we have planned for you, and there are plenty more to come. It's brought to you by Tailored Blinds and Shutters, only on cliffcentral.com.